Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show is sponsored by Cheshire Impact on a mission to maximize your marketing automation and CRM. Bam, CheshireImpact.com. And excitedly, today's guest is none other than Zach Pines. Now, here's his resume, folks. He is the VP of Marketing at Bedrock Data. He's a family man and who I consider the ethereal marketer. Now, all you youngins out there might have to go Google that word, but he's the ethereal marketer because he is everywhere in physical and virtual worlds, virtual conferences, actual conferences. He's the man. So we're going to find out more from him today about a lot of that event stuff. We're going to get to it. But Zach, welcome. Casey, good to be here. Uh, you introduced yourself, and I thought I had the pronunciation of your last name wrong because you said Cheshire. Yeah, what did I then, say? But, but, then, but then your company, you said Cheshire. So that's now, now I'm all confused. Uh, tricky. You picked up on it, huh? You could say it either way. And I think sometimes that uh, uh, I'll say Casey Cheshire. Mm. And you're right. And Cheshire Impact just kind of flows. So, Cheshire's, Cheshire sounds more official. So I, I like well, it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> so how's it going, man? Welcome. Thanks for coming today. It, it's good. Thanks for having me on. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. So I'm excited to uh, chat with you here for the next, what, hour or so? Uh, we're, we're not stopping. This thing, we're going to go four gigs of storage here. And just so people know, this is a Friday afternoon and it's got the energy of a Monday. So if you're listening on Monday and you're like, that's BS, <laughs> I don't know. But it's, it's a great day. Uh, we had some good weather recently. So something about the moon is perfectly right. aligned for this. But um, you know, what, speaking of podcasts, what we like to do for this one is we just remind everyone, because we've got this theme, this underrunning current. Uh, we call it the success index. It's a roadmap for people. Now at Cheshire, we're doing Cheshire. We're doing a lot of work with people on marketing automation. And one thing we tell folks is, before you start building or doing or emailing your prospects, you gotta you gotta do the right steps first, and the second, and the third. And the first one was getting to know your audience. The second one is really a lot about measurement and understanding marketing ROI. And so, you being just one of those marketers, I really respect. That's why we wanted to have you come out here. And I wanted to give you the opportunity. To throw down the gauntlet and smash some myths in the face. Mm. You hear a lot of buzzword stuff in marketing, and uh, that can lead you astray. So, is there anything you want to smash up front? Okay, so category of, of ROI reporting. I guess the first thing I'd smash, uh, yes, if I have the smash rights, are forget about credit. Forget about credit. What do like I mean? Credit by cards? That? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> What I mean by that is, is don't, don't get in the habit of thinking you need to credit you know, one thing to a deal or to a, mm. a source of revenue or a pipeline, especially you know, when it comes to the marketing and sales relationship. Um, the reality is, and, and, and probably, Casey, you're a marketer, you know, maybe rule number one in marketing is you know, there's multiple things that are influencing a buying decision, multiple sure. things that are influencing Revenue. So, you know, as as you build as you build your reporting, as you build your models, you know, keep that in mind. And and also as you use language with you know with executives, uh, keep that in mind as well. Um, you don't want to imply, for example, that you know we're going to credit uh, you know 
a certain marketing program for, yeah, for, sure. this, for this deal because that you, you might end up pissing the sales team off by accidentally by somehow implying that you know they're not also responsible for, for that deal or something like that. So forget about credit. Realize that there's multiple factors influencing a given uh, piece of revenue and, and build your, your, your thinking methodology and, and language accordingly. Interesting. And it's a political game, right? And so are you saying just don't play that game or when you're playing that game, be careful the way you speak about who's responsible, who, who gets the win? I'm just saying, game. yeah, I'm just saying, you know, just it, it's both beneficial to realize revenue is a team sport. And, and if that's the, in the tone of everything you're reporting, that's going to help it in general. Yeah. Beyond the beyond the fact that it's actually a really good marketing lesson too, which is there's multiple things that you're doing most likely that are influencing a deal, and that's going to help when it comes to evaluating you know different types of investments. It's not it's not only about that you know single you know PPC ad that that drove someone to sign up for a free trial. There might have been five or six or seven marketing touches before that. Um, that also come into play as well. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's not like it. We're not selling uh, frozen ice here. It didn't just have one touch point. There, it's a journey, and sometimes the journey is like a a year long. You know, it, and there there's multiple touches there. And I think you're right. We can get into a situation where, okay, what got? If you only gave one thing the win, was it the fact that you bought them from that list? Was it the fact you that 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 sales rep met them at a trade show and they really hit it off. And then they almost took an order there, but they didn't. Then marketing sent an email on Monday. Um, it, is it that email on Monday? You know, it's like, it, it's right. a simplistic way of looking at giving credit to something. Is this, I mean, it's almost like we're trying to get into a little bit of the multi-touch tracking. Is that? Is yeah, that- exactly. That's underlying. This is you want to, you want to have flexible reporting mechanisms where you can you know, credit multiple, multiple touches. Um, and you might look at first touch, you might look at last touch, because that may be interesting, but do it because you're trying to learn about, well, what, what's driving you know, that conversion point through the last touch, or what's driving that awareness through the first touch. Don't do it because you're trying to you know, eliminate things that aren't, you know, that aren't having any impact. So first touch and last touch, analysis can be useful. Um, but, 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 uh, but multi-touch is also useful, especially when you're trying to do, which probably the next, the next thing I I bring up Casey is there's a framework I like when you're, when you're sort of preparing for uh, ROI analytics, which is, you know, do more, fix it, stop, which is sort of the lens to, to make decisions. So, if you're doing, you know, a, a, you know, an influence-based ROI, uh, you know, analysis, what that yeah. allows you to do is sort of rank, you know, rank, rank these programs, rank these marketing. Sure. Um, you're not necessarily saying like, because you're looking at influence, you're not necessarily saying, you know, I'm guaranteed if I put another dollar in, I'm going to get another $4 out, but it helps you rank your effectiveness. So you can say, okay, these things are working. If I have opportunities to double down there, let's go do that. These things aren't working as well. We still believe in them strategically. So let's focus our resources on fixing or improving these things. 
And these things we weren't really sure about, they were more experimental and you know what, they're not working, let's, let's deprioritize or let's shift resources right. away from those. It's like not so a light switch, right? It's not just like a one or the other. Yeah, so, so that, you know, that's, I've seen that, that should be a good framework for the decision-making because at the end of it, really what, what should you be doing? You should be running your marketing organization like a business and, and it's about making, you know, good sound yeah. business decisions around resources and investments. And I think that at the end of it, that's really what a CEO or a sales team is looking for from a marketing lead. Like if you're, if they know you're running marketing like a business, you know, that, what more can they want um, as, right. as, as an executive team? Break that down a little bit. Cause uh, you know, what are the different aspects then if you think about, and you know, all, all you marketing coordinators out there, you know, listen up. <laughs> so run it like a business. It, that's really interesting. So it's not the whole business, but it's a, it's a department. It's got, you've got budgets, you've got, I mean, and then even customers, right? So, I mean, how do you, how, how do you approach that? Uh, so what I mean by that is, you know, what are your, 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 your investing resources. So you're investing either the time of your people sure. or, or marketing dollars and be, you know, be thoughtful about, those investments. Um, and then to this conversation, you know, look to make the right business decisions around what we want to invest more in, what we right. want to improve our return on investment more in the fixed category. Right. And what are some investments that maybe aren't making sense and, and be, you know, be open about that in the sense of, you know, one thing I hear a lot, Casey, when talking to sales leaders and, and CEOs is they're looking for quote unquote transparency, meaning, you know, the best marketing teams can be open about these, these top line decisions. And these are things that are working. We're going to go do more of those. These are things that aren't working as well as we want to. Yeah. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say that. If, if there's things that you think can be improved, Actually, you know, a CEO and a, and, a, and, a, and a sales management team would love to hear that so that they right. know there's the ability to be critical um, about, about themselves. Um, I think some marketing teams fall in the trap of wanting to constantly be painting everything as rosy sure. um, when, when the sales team may not be seeing that. And the, and the executive team may not be seeing that translate into dollars. So you got to so run it like a business, you know, be able to you know, hand on your heart and with the numbers to back it up, say, these are the things that are working. These are things that aren't working. These are things we're going to improve. These are the things we're going to stop because we think we can do better by allocating those resources elsewhere. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm, I'm hearing the word accountability as you're saying that, you know, I'm, here's the numbers. Here's what we're doing. It's not black and white. And here, you know, we're going to either fix it. What was it? The, the three you had? Uh, do more, do more, you know, fix or, or stop. Fix it or stop. I feel like I want to add like smash words to that, but I love it. Maybe we'll uh, put that on an infographic later, but that, that, that makes sense. So, but being transparent with the team around you, it almost sounds like a trap too. If everything's all rosy that you're communicating and sales is having a rough quarter and, uh, and you know, the CEO is worried about the numbers and you come across like, Hey guys, we got everything. All these beautiful leads being sent over. 
<laughs> everyone's going to start calling BS at that like immediately. So, it, but really thinking about, you know, it's interesting. You're, you're a part of, you're an individual team, but you're also part of that sales team too. You know, we all want that revenue at the end. We're not just looking for, you know, a marketing lead, but we're, we're like united in that if sales is down, we're down, you know, and, and hey, it's that whole process. Yeah. Casey, that's, I mean, you make a good point. Think of it this way, you know, marketing shows up to a meeting, you know, sales is in the midst of a, you know, let's say a tough quarter or even just a quarter where they're, you know, striving to hit their number. Right. And you as marketing, if you're saying things like, you know, leads are up, you know, 300%, um, you need to be able to put that in the right business context, which is you might actually come across showing massive misalignment with sales, you know, if you're telling mm -hmm. two, two very different stories. So I think in that case, you want to also be able to give perspective based on the buying process and based on, you know, the, the typical buying stage. For example, let's say you have a six month buying process. Sure. If you're showing up to an alignment meeting uh, or, you know, a revenue meeting and whatever story sales telling, it would be good to have a way to show alignment. For example, if they're at a certain percentage of their goal, we'll take people back to, well, well, that was, you know, that's based on, you know, that aligns well with our metrics from six months ago. That sales and marketing are on the same page with how the numbers add up and then also show positivity uh, around, well, and here's some of the improvements we're seeing in the metrics over the past six months. You know, you brought up an interesting point. Uh, the alignment meeting, is that something that you do? And you're, you do meet with sales and... Other two departments, do you call it, a, what do you call it with your place? Do you call it a line meeting, revenue meeting? Yeah, so in, in, in our current, my current company, Bedrock Data, we actually have an, we call it the commercial team. Huh. Um, so that's sales, marketing, customer success, account management. Uh, and we do, we do meet as a commercial team. Um, okay. In past roles, it's been, in, you know, in bigger organizations, um, it's been anything from sales and marketing to sales, marketing, finance, um, product management uh, as well. So certainly I've seen those cross-functional teams uh, span all those departments. Right. Huh. It, it would make sense. We've had different people have different cadences of that kind of meeting uh, all the way from Steph, episode 001, who met daily with sales, um, all the way to, you know, talking about this. I mean, what's the tempo of your commercial meeting? Is it like a weekly or? Yeah, th this is a weekly meeting. Um, it's also, you know, we also have, you know, daily dashboards that are mm. shared out as a team. So and we're also, frankly, you know, sitting together on the floor. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's a nice... It's, it's a, a great nice, idea too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice touch for, you know, how do you get any work done? And we got sales calls going on all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. My, my content marketing uh, manager is often uh, going off into a private room. To, yeah. I mean, those, those headsets can only muffle so much <laughs> yeah, to do the writing, um, but actually you right in the thick of it. Are you like just surrounded by sales warriors crushing it left and right? Or it's an open, it's an open floor office. Okay. I will tell you though, and I, I, 
you mentioned family earlier. I know we'll probably talk about it later, but yeah, definitely. it's still still easier for me than those days I have to work from home. Those are, <laughs> those are even louder with uh, more distractions. Well, it sounds like you know, usually customers and prospects and partners are more more understanding of hearing like adult voices in the background than say kid voices or puppies. <laughs> Although these days, I think every, people are used to all of it. You know? it That's true. The, the, the tolerance for that has come a long way in the last decade. You know? Yeah. I mean, at Cheshire, we're all remote, you know, yeah. and we were looking for the best people in general, as opposed to they have to be in New Hampshire or Minnesota or when a, anywhere you know <laughs> so it's like a definitely a, it's a definitely a shift is that do you do you need like do you do remote time as well or mostly going into the again for, for me personally I, I i benefit from being in the office um i hear uh, that yeah yeah even, even things like having you know big monitors and being able to you know do writing do you know work on work on visuals so totally i, I prefer the office environment personally but I think know know a ton of remote employees, and yep. you know, often you know, even the software we're using here, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's easier to dial into a team meeting when everyone's got their own, uh, you know, camera and that's true uh, personal setup. It can be hard, like being like this, and then dialing into a room full of people. But I actually saw, I think it's a product on one of those uh, GoFundMe's where it's a camera that looks in all directions and shows the person talking. So I don't know how that works if everyone's talking and yelling at each other, but uh, at least if it's orderly, it all makes sense. But speaking of that, that's actually a good tangent into when I said earlier, you're the ethereal marketer. You're everywhere. You're like, mm. I, I remember being at the, um, one of the, uh, the VC events recently in Boston, not recently, I guess a while ago, time flies. Right. But yeah. I remember seeing you there and just, meeting at all different uh, different events so you are everywhere and we did a webinar together too um yeah webinar about uh what bedrock does we'll, we'll talk about bedrock too but hmm. about what they do with pardot so how are you how are you in all places uh, are you like hermione granger do you have one of those things where you can sort of just transport back with you know different time zones or how do you do it all I don't know. I think I think at my heart I'm a I'm an opportunist, and that's probably how I was I was raised. Um, so it's probably more just like I learn about things, I get invited to things. Right. I'm eager to participate. Yeah. Meet someone who then you know invites to the next thing. Um, so it's just you just start somewhere and build a network and 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 you know participate in different communities and. For sure. And I think it's so important too, for, especially for the marketers listening in, or if you're early in your career, it's these are the places you meet people, you learn things. I still every now and then learn things, mostly on these podcasts, but at these events, you never know who's going to be speaking there and you meet. Sometimes you learn things from the conversations afterward too. So it really is the place to be, to meet, to build up that LinkedIn, all of that. Yeah. And actually, since you mentioned you know, advice for you know, marketers on the rise. Um, probably the best thing I did for myself in my career, something like five years ago, was was start my own blog, uh, you know, personal domain, uh, moneyballmarketer.com. So when I'm at an event, uh, I'm often, you know, writing about it. Uh, when I'm at an event, I'm often tweeting about it. In fact, now that you mentioned that, I remember the OpenView event 
that we were both at and we were tagging each other in oh, tweets. Yeah, Twitter. yeah. In tweets, which which sort of lifts the the experience and, and, and builds the connections. Um, but having that personal blog has been a nice way to actually continue to network with people, meet new people. Um, you know, it's helped me I, I would say, you know, even even uh, you know, find new job opportunities quite a bit. So oh, for sure. Yeah. To, Something I'd strongly recommend. And these days, you know, when I created that blog, uh, it was on Squarespace. It was it was before Medium, but you know, Medium makes that even easier for people oh, okay. these days. You use that now? Are you still in Squarespace? Still on Squarespace. Yeah. But yeah, and, and it will. Once you say the URL again, we'll put it in the show notes too. Oh yeah, it's MoneyballMarketer.com. And that's tied to the movie, or to, how how did you come up with that? Um, Have you had that for a while? Then I mean, has this been a yeah, so uh, actually, when I when I when I created the blog at at the time, there was a, a woman on my marketing team, Alex Fisher, who said, "Hey, this domain's available," and, and I actually wanted MoneyballMarketing.com. Okay, uh, but that was taken. But MoneyballMarketer.com was available, so and I kind of oriented it more towards that persona. Yeah, Moneyball Marketer, um, and then I got the Twitter handle MoneyballMKTR. There you go. Um, I've always been a sports guy. Yep. So, and, and there's actually have some, some business background there too. So, there, so, so, so it runs, it runs pretty deep, but then thematically, I think, you know, if you were to say what's Moneyball marketing, I would say just like we were talking about earlier at its core, it's running marketing like a business. Yeah. Um, it's being data driven, but it's also not being data driven to the point of obsession, meaning, I'm like, I'm a huge proponent of, of brands, for example, you know, building your brand. So right. like Moneyball, what Mar- Moneyball marketing isn't, is it's not like statistical number crunching and forgetting that marketing is also about building a brand. So right. you know, money, Moneyball marketing is about brand and demand. You know, wasn't that the, the takeaway from that movie too? Because they didn't look at your your typical and by the way, did you get this before the movie or was this sort of all? Uh, well, I read well, I read the book, the book well, yeah. well before the movie, and yeah. yeah. So so I, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they they looked at a, something more unique? Like these people all need to be on the same team, and well, well, they looked at something different, right? It wasn't just the how many hits did he have, was it not now how many runs did he have, but they looked at was it hits? They did something different, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I think they they brought um, yeah they brought all kinds of advanced metrics yeah to, to the baseball world for the first time. They kind of switched things up, and instead of everyone else was you know how many home runs did this guy have? It's like yeah. doesn't even matter. All they wanted were, were the hits to get on base, and some of the other coaches were saying, "Oh, it's stupid, like nah, stupid." But then the people that listened, they worked. Yeah, <laughs> no, so it was, was yeah, so it was, yeah, it was about it was about performance metrics, which is also what we were talking about earlier, marketing performance right. metrics are about what's ultimately driving, you know, pipeline and revenue. Well, it makes sense that you have you on here for this particular one. It's good. Perfect timing, right? Uh, man, the Moneyball marketer. That is cool. Yeah, I definitely recommend checking out. There's some really good articles on here. Um, you know, you've definitely kept up with your blogging. Mad respect for doing that. I know it's a, it's a commitment to keep on top of that. Well, I mean, you, I think 
if, if it hasn't already, your, your podcasting is going to jumpstart your content. Oh, I appreciate that. That was the yeah. idea. It's like, well, you know, I could write forever. Yeah. I, I like making the writing, you know, perfect, but then that's not a good thing for writing because you need to just get it out. Right. It's easier for me to do that when I'm talking. And, my, and <laughs> honestly, most of these blog posts um, to that point are I'm at an event or maybe, you know, less so these days, but I will say in my previous role, a lot of these blogs were inspired by moments of frustration. <laughs> okay. Like, like, like you know, around sales, you know, maybe yeah. there's, maybe there's a pain point around sales and marketing alignment, you know, there's a better way or I'm at an event and mine gets going. So to your point, like most of these blogs have been, you know, pumped out and like, you know, get home, write things down, publish it. Um, so it, it's, it's like, ah, just get that thought out. It's, there. it's, it's akin to, it's akin to podcasting and they're definitely not you know, over-engineered. Okay. We won't, we won't. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We won't go and, you know, grammar check them and spell check, but that, that's cool. Usually they read better too, if it's more of like conversational yeah. approach. So. Well, I hope, I hope they're grammatically correct. So if you, <laughs> right. It, we'll give it, you that much. If you, if you see an error, feel free to, you know, throw in a comment or hit me up on Twitter, call me up for it. <laughs> sure. Sure. Just, just blatantly bland you know hit you up like oh bad bad grammar but um but you know but back to the events though so you're at all these events and it's definitely the way to build your career but also keep learning keep fresh stay on top of trends it, the crazy trends which i'll call bs on but also the good ones that are mm -hmm. us improving um and uh <laughs> we can we can talk bs trends later but uh but what events do you recommend like, are there some, you know, almost like comedian show dates? Are you, do you have any events coming up yourself that you're going to go to that you recommend other people check out? And obviously not just in the Boston area, but you know, anywhere. Yeah. Um, the MarTech events are always really nice to check out. Um, all the latest, you know, MarTech vendors and, and, and some of the trends to your point. Um, Scott Brinker uh, puts on a really good show, Chief yeah. MarTech. So he has a Boston event, but, but his next event is in April in San Jose and, and I'll be out there. I'll be on a panel there. So if anyone nice. listening is either going to be there or, or thinking about going, uh, let me know. It'd be great to connect there. For sure. Um, there's something, Casey, a bit more technical, uh, but it's called a data summit in May okay. uh, in Boston. Data summit in Boston. I think it's May 22nd. I'll be speaking there. Um, and that's one to check out. And then the now, Summit, does that mean, is it more like an IT thing or is it like more marketing data or what kind I of, I think, I think the, the origination is going to be more on the IT and probably okay. business intelligence side. Um, you can but, learn a lot from different, you know, like they call it like cross pollination of uh, different groups hashing out different ideas and you, you may pull something from someone that you never even thought. Yeah, but like, but like, we'll be there talking about still business concepts like sure. you know customer three sixty analytics, yeah, that those kind of things. Um, and then the the couple last couple events I'll plug also Boston based. Um, two two of the favorites, both in September are Drift's Hypergrowth, yeah. which I think I saw yeah last year if I remember, um, and Inbound. Great, yeah. great, great conference. Inbound HubSpot's event, uh, Drift, just just uh, exploding on the scene. And uh, so they have an event coming up. That'll be cool to, uh, to check out. And then, you know, Terminus has some events coming up too. Those are kind of, you know, akin to Drift's just excitement, crazy, just doing, 
you know, blowing things up and, and rebuilding. So that's fun. And then I'd probably, you know, Dreamforce too is one of those events for a marketer if you happen to have Salesforce and if you have yeah. Pardot for sure. But it's one of those events if you haven't done, you should put in the request to do that. And you need to basically book your hotel now because <laughs> San Francisco has essentially four hotel rooms and they all get booked out months in advance before that. And that, that's one I've never done. So one of these years, done that one, huh? no, one of these years I'll have to do it. It's been it's just been too too huge and never have never that's decided really, to pull that I, off. You know, I wish they would move it to Vegas because <laughs> I have enough room, and then I can go see magic shows after the end of the day. But uh, play poker yeah. tournaments. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Maybe. Well, uh, that gets dangerous, right? But uh, but you know, San Francisco, obviously, you know, Salesforce. Yeah, they have a nice tie to that city. They do a lot for each other. But man, it can be, you know, you, you thrown into San Francisco. But I think, you know, even doing at least once is a, is a good idea. But you got to watch out where you stay. So in San Francisco, there are good areas and there are bad areas. And if it's two weeks before Dreamforce and you found a hotel for $100, it's probably in a bad area. Uh, because those prices can get up to like 1000 a night. So people are all buying them now, booking them early. So. But yeah, I mean, we could do a whole a whole tip thing. If if you end up going to that, we'll have to have a whole prep show, <laughs> Dreamforce Preppers, and uh, talk about what to do and what not to do with that. But on that note, um, man, I'm just full of segues today. Uh, on that note, any events you don't like, I'm gonna smash some events. I know you're probably a nice guy. You don't have any events you didn't like, but huh. any events uh, not worth going, or or if none come to mind, <laughs> any anything you should look out for. What what makes a good event not a good event if you're not really sure if you should go to it? Other than what Casey and Zach just told you two seconds ago. Man, that's a good one. Um that just stumped. I was gonna say, I mean, I again I've I've shied away from Salesforce from Dreamforce just at the just hugeness of the event. So hugeness, yeah. Um I've shied away from that one. But no, I can't nothing nothing uh Nothing comes to mind in terms of a stay away. I mean, probably like like many things in marketing, I'd give any event a shot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the marketing thing, right? Test it. Yeah. Test it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then if you don't like it, you know, don't go back a second time. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And then tweet how much you hated it uh, to everyone you know. Um, okay, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Good advice. And, you know, the bigger the event... Uh, you know, the more offerings you can have, but also you can get kind of you know, swept up by it. So I, I can see there's value in the small events too, the, the local ones, even like user groups, uh, local user groups can be great. So, Oh yeah. Big, big fan of user groups. Big fan of that. For sure. Um, and tell me webinars, right? Or virtual, have you done any virtual events? Sure. Um, I mean, virtual events, can be almost like Uber webinars where Uber webinars. you have, you know, uh, like multiple tracks and you've got, you know, an all day type of thing, uh, online. Uh, so yeah, I've spoken at ones like that. I've, at my last company, we had almost like a customer summit that was in the, in the forum of a virtual event with, you know, lots and lots of speakers and, yeah. different tracks that was that was really successful um it saves you from, from uh the travel but there's something about being there in person and to the earlier convo it's that conversation after the fact or maybe in between the two 
you know, who, who you sat next to, maybe someone you might be working with at some point. Yeah. 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 I don't think I, I certainly would, if you don't, don't do only virtual events and, and shy away from the live events. And I, and I guess to close out the topic, Casey, I'd say, you know, everyone's busy. Um, so <laughs> sometimes, you know, you might not really get over the hump of attending that live event, but it, but it's so worth it. Um, it's so worth it to, to network, to, to have conversations, to, you know, maybe practice your pitch. Uh, if you're trying to pitch your product, uh, yeah. compare notes with others. So yeah, live events mix up, you know, a few good local ones, a couple big ones. Uh, it's definitely worth it. Keep it real. Get your personal brand out there, you know, and learn something for your company. Get your company out there too. Um, you have your own personal pitch, but you also have your company's pitch. So yeah, good, good stuff. And, and, you know, speaking of companies, man, these things just string together. Speaking of companies, tell me, Bedrock. Now, for everyone working out there, um, we do a lot of work at Cheshire with Pardot. Mm-hmm. And we connect, I guess I'll just sort of summarize, and then you can do the real thing. Sure. We uh, do a lot of work with people with Pardot, and they naturally have Salesforce. Some people have other CRMs. Yeah, the better marketing automation platform, in my humble opinion. Right. They're like, oh no, uh, how do we connect these two? And so that's how we first got um, connected. Hey, connected. Yeah. Because we were looking for solutions to that. You certainly have one at Bedrock, and so that's it. Started this whole conversation, and I realized you were the event ninja, and we got started. So maybe you could just set up like, what is Bedrock? I mean, obviously beyond just the CRM and Pardot. Yeah. Bedrock. What do you guys do? Yeah, Bedrock has Bedrock Data, uh, based in Boston, software company. Bedrock Data has two offerings. One you're describing is really pre-built integrations. Yeah. And for the Pardot community and other marketing automation systems, it really gives you flexibility to you know mix and match marketing automation and CRMs. And, and Bedrock has has pre-built integrations. So uh, we have Pardot customers that are using Microsoft Dynamics, NetSuite. Uh, closed.io, other CRMs. Would you believe um, I literally, before this convo, I, I was speaking to one of our mutual customers who has Pardot, is working with us, and also they have NetSuite, sadly. Yeah. And, but the, the happy face is at least they can connect them, and they're like, I, I use Bedrock to connect them. So Cool. That's good, a, stuff. that's good to hear. And now, Casey, our second product, which is... Yeah, new, right? Yeah, coming to market as we cool. speak, um, we call it Fusion. And I'll tell you, the genesis of this product has been, you know, really hearing from customers for the past few years, a few things like number one, more and more SaaS systems are making up not only their marketing stack, but across sales and customer support and customer success and and even finance. Um, So customer data is spread, you know, out in, in more and more places. And, you know, companies are looking to have that single source of truth, if you will, to power reporting, analytics, uh, dashboards, BI. Could be anything from, you know, our executives just really want one place to turn for key business metrics. Sure. Um, all the way through to, you know, our business analysts need, um, you know, trusted data to do, to do advanced analytics and BI. So what our Fusion product does is it, is it, is it reaches into multiple SaaS applications, creates a unified data set that then feeds into a host of you know, BI reporting and dashboard tools like a Tableau. 
and gives you that continuous feed of, of data pipeline from all your applications that's automatically consolidated and, and unified. Um, so it's really a best of both worlds scenario where you've got your marketing teams, your sales teams using their applications, but you still have a trusted data resource that you can turn to that helps to, you know, the business be analytical like we're talking about here. Um, and it's kind of serves the needs of the executive team and the, and the analysts and the marketing team all in one. Um, we are running an early access program that frankly is, is something a hundred percent free. Um, there you our, go. our biggest, of, like, Oh God, here comes the pitch, but okay. Free. Well, no, our biggest objective right now, it, it's something we learned from, you know, David Cancel at drift, which is, you know, this being our second product and one that's, you know, still new to market. Like our number one goal right now is, customer feedback. So right. um, it's something that we're mostly looking for, you know, adopters, looking for champions. Um, so that URL is bedrockdata.com slash try. And anyone out there that wants to try it, we'll give what we'd love for you to, to kick the tires, give us feedback and, and be part of it. That's cool. That's really cool. Unique only to those people listening <laughs> or anyone else that knows that URL. Um, but you know, as you're talking, I'm re- realizing the bigger issue that you're solving. I mean, you're, you're kind of being humble, really, but it's that challenge of when your data is, are, are in silos. Yeah. You know, the folks out in Boston, they're like, what's a silo? I'll have you know there's actually there's a difference between a silo and a grain bin. And a grain bin um, is, is a short – do you know what this – have you ever seen this? Uh, a grain bin is a short squat thing. Okay. It has grain in it that humans eat. In a silo, it is the big tall thing you see from the Wizard of Oz. And that's that's right. a silo. So there's right. a difference, and that's and, and that has silage in it, which is what horses eat, right? <laughs> so uh, cows and all your all your farm animals. So, anyways, that aside, not, now you learned something on a Friday. But that aside, when your data is one one set of data, like marketing's data is in a silo, and sales is in a green bin, and then operations or finances in a different one. That's where all the challenges come from. And we have, it's so crazy. We miscommunicate on email all the time. It's that much worse when our data are in different places. So, you know, it, in the initial challenge you were solving of just when, when you have marketing automation and mm-hmm. CRM, so you have your marketing guys and gals, you have that tech connected to your CRM. When those are connected, it multiplies the effect because now you're actually, you have the whole process covered by those two technologies when they're individual, they still work, but you're missing things. Marketing doesn't actually know what closed. They just know what clicked, you know, in sales, um, they're not sending any feedback back or not much at all. So it's like so disjointed. But when you communicate the two together, that's magic. And I hear, I think what I hear you're talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear not just sales marketing and, in the connections that we've been talking about, but while we're doing those connections into other departments and other apps and whatnot, let's also have our own data uh, data sets too too geeky. I think uh, it's uh, it's have the data in a in a single place, single mm-hmm. source of truth as it's flying around, so that if someone wants to run a report or the CEO wants to see X, Y, and Z, it's like there and and you own it as opposed to. You you know download Excel from over here, then over there, and then try to put it together. It's just a it's a nightmare. Yeah, you nailed it. You totally nailed it, man. It's because it's Friday. 
It's feeling good. This is good. Nice. Well, I'm glad. It's, it's a great point, and I'm, and I'm glad to be able to make it because I've experienced that before. I've had a, I have had Pardot one time, and the other system was NetSuite. God bless people on NetSuite, but there are there are alternatives. <laughs> there are alternatives, but anyways, you don't say anything, Zach. Don't don't get I, yourself in trouble. And live no, your <laughs> no. I was, gonna, I was gonna say. I mean, usually it's there for other reasons, right? It's not it's yes. not the best marketing system. It's not the best sales system, but it's your financial system, and and that's sort of yes, that's exactly right. And you know what? It if you want to, you know, we throw the you know we do shots fired around here, but you know, honestly. Don't let your CFO pick your CRM. Don't let your your finance guy pick the thing that's going to help you sell and market to people. That <laughs> doesn't yeah. work. That's what happens a lot. People they go to NetSuite. By the way, NetSuite will never sponsor the show. That's I don't need I don't need them to. But uh, you know, people will go and they'll pick this tool called NetSuite because it it really it's a tool called an ERP. You can track your your materials if you're manufacturing. It can track your finances. And then they go, oh, by the way, we have a CRM that helps your salespeople. And, and, uh, and when you do it that way, oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. So I've lived well, that. And, but thankfully, there's a tool now so you can at least connect to some other systems. Well, what and, I was going to say, but actually, you're pivoting to probably one of the bigger messages hmm. of Bedrock's value, which is let departments choose their best tools. So you know, with, with our model, it's like customers have the best marketing automation they want, the best CRM they want the best support system they want, the best financial system they want, and hmm. behind the scenes, they're all connected to that single source of truth. Um, so back to the idea of a win-win, you know, each department wins, and still the, you know, the executives have that trusted resource they need. I like that. You know, when you first said that, people watching on video were like, did Casey's monitor freeze? I kind of did the one that was like, oh, and then I just froze like, mm -hmm. Do I like that? Is it BS? I'm like, no, I actually bought that. That's Sys actually kind of cool. I like that. Let the At departments have their favorite tool, you know, so and then not interfere with the other department's favorite tool. I like it's that. Like, it's like application democracy. Ooh, that's another one. You're full of buzzwords. It's Friday. You should do all your content writing on Friday. This is good. <laughs> well, this is why the events, right? The events get your mind right. going, right? Right, for sure. For sure. Well, that's, that is really cool. Um, it, and so people can check that out. I like that. I'm going to check it out too. The try, Hey, just give it a shot. Bedrockdata.com slash try. And they need feedback. So if you hate it, tell them and they'll change things around. That's, what, tell them that, too. that's what our engineer team, team's here for. Yeah. We need that feedback. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, so, they, they won't listen to me alone. <laughs> no, no, they, they need someone else to tweet at them. Say, what is this? What is this? Yeah. Fill out a, a ticket or something to say what's what. So that, yeah. that is cool, man. That's really cool um, that, that you're, you're adding that, that single source of truth too. That, that kind of helps make everything more. You're not just passing data back and forth, but you're keeping it somewhere too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's unified and sort of, I'll give you a quick example. Yeah. Yeah. Just to that point, which is let's say you've got, a guy who's in two different systems. Um, so the system will match, match those identities. Sure. But even better, as it brings that together, it'll resolve conflicts in that data. And the usual way that that works is, well, let's say we have a field and we've got two different values in these systems. Well, let's, let's choose the system who was most recently updated. Sure. So it can, it can take you know, the correct value to kind of bring that, unified data set together. 
uh, you know, it helps having something smart in between that because you know how many times someone updates their phone number and some other tool updates it back you know right <laughs> oh, I have the wrong number. Uh, yeah, they updated it, but we undid that update, you know, and that can cost people money. So it's cool having some something smart. I don't think it's quite AI yet, but uh, something smart with some rules in between. Right. Forth. Right. Absolutely. So this is the point where I'm just wondering, who are you and where did you come from? How, how did you become the Moneyball marketer? How did you get all this experience in marketing um, and the, the data and all that. How did this start? Did have you always? Did you just, you know, do this at all times, or how did that work? <laughs> I mean, there. I, I mentioned that there is a sports tie, interestingly, and, and somewhat sort of surprisingly. But this is the part where you tell me you played like pro sports, and I had no idea. <laughs> like, I've known you for like ten years. I never knew that. I didn't play, but back okay. when back when I was a, a teenager. Uh, I back to the back to the point of being opportunistic. Yeah, uh, I got myself into a project at IBM where a data scientist had basically invented some new data mining algorithms, and he was looking for ways to apply them. And long story short, is we built the first uh, data mining software used by NBA coaches. And interesting. This was. Actually, we talked about advanced metrics yeah. for baseball. This was the first advanced metrics used by NBA teams. Um, and we brought that software to the league uh, back in the late 90s. And it took off like wildfire. Um, within two years, it was used by 24 and then 28 teams. Um, it got picked up and featured at the Olympics uh, in 1996 and later on. Um, so that was, that was my That's first cool. kind of foray into business. And, and it's like, how do you, how do you go, you know, <laughs> the, wow, the, the bar is set high with that. Right, now, right. And was it just taking all sorts of data from the games and the player stats and well, this like a lot of things in, in those systems, right? Yeah, and at, at that point, it was the first time that they were tracking this kind of data. So sure. for the very first time, they had someone sitting courtside logging every single play. And actually at that time, too, I remember, like, it was the first time, like, Palm Pilots were becoming a thing. Oh, so no. yeah, I remember they that. were starting to, like, log things with Start Palm Pilots. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was, like, yeah. a, big, a big breakthrough. Although those didn't quite, quite catch on, but... But we had, yeah, play, play data for the first time. And another thing we did was everything was timestamp. So mm. when we presented reports to the coaches, we could, we could actually queue up the relevant videos. And that was probably... Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, there, 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 are, there are truly tie-ins here to the marketing thing. I mean, the first tie-in was performance metrics. So the analysis that we did was which player combinations were leading to the most success or the worst success at a top line level. So it was like, huh. this is the guy, like when you have him at this position, that's when the team is really ah, no performing. Kidding. And at the time, like plus minus wasn't really a metric that NBA used at all. And that was the metric we brought to them was by looking at plus minus, and looking at lineup combinations, you could look at 
what's where are you performing the best, where you're performing the worst. So what that is was plus the minus? plus minus. It used to be a hockey metric, which was just when you have these guys on the on the floor of the ice, what what's your score? Like are you are you up? Are you down? So plus <laughs> minus was like, you know, when LeBron James is on the court, we're <laughs> we're plus thirty-two. Sure. But you know, and so what the system did, the analysis did, is it looked at where the best performances were coming mm. through lineups. And to your point, at that time, it, no one ever looked at that. Like they were looking at points and field goal percentage, right. but no one was looking at how the lineups were performing. Right. So, that was, right. so, so that was the performance breakthrough the same way that like revenue analytics has been the performance breakthrough for marketing. Um, Interesting. And then the other, the other lesson that, and kind of parallel I see, because I thought about this stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's since cool. is is decision support. Like it wasn't about saying to the coach, like we're doing your job. It was about saying to the coach, we're going to help you do your job easier and back it up with 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 and back it up with with data. Right. So that's where I started started this point was we present him the data and then he'd be able to click a button and then see all the videos of the relevant plays. Yeah. So it was like we're not. We don't know. We don't know why this is happening, Coach. You know, that's you're the you're the you're the expert. You know, but let's let's present you with a tool to be able to do that and make make better decisions. So the, it was all about making the coach the hero. Sure, in a way, but at the same time, uh, that's really interesting because it we're saying. I guess previously they were saying, okay, how many points did so and so get? Yeah. In blaming the points on just having a really good field goal percentage, when all in all reality, maybe there was a like two or three people that were just so great at defending, they always passed to him and, and they always got him the ball. And when they're there, they enable him to be that good. Yeah, you know? that's but, the way or to be better because he's good anyways. But yeah. you need someone else to get to get him there to to be that good. Yeah. Um, now, so it, being up isn't just because your superstars there, but because he's got the, the right team around him. Yeah. It's really interesting. Huh? Really interesting. So, now, so now, real quick, how, when they're tracking the play, are they being able to say like, so-and-so passed it in to so-and-so who passed it in, who dribbled three times well, and then. So, so, shot. so yes, not at that point, at that point, you know, mid nineties, it was just who was on the floor. Right. Um, and actually, I've, I've got an anecdote about that I can mention um, in a sec. But it was who was on the floor. Now, since then, the tracking is like now they're doing like biometric analysis and yeah, tracking, you know, every spot, you know, every pass. You know, they, they've taken the, the data set, you know, to, to a whole other level. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I once had a presentation by uh, some of the guys that run the New England Revolution soccer team. And they were saying how all the players have like the RFID tags on underneath their jerseys. And so they know, um, they all, but they, not only do they know their, um, their position on the field, but they know their biometrics and they know their heart rate and everything. And so um, they'll often know if someone has a cold before they tell them. Because sometimes the guys don't <laughs> play. So they're not going to say, like, they're really, really down. They're like, hyped up on DayQuil. And they're like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. They're like, no, you're not. Your heart rate's at 150. You're just sitting there. Like, you're not good at all. You're not playing, you know, or let's get you some extra medication or something. But that, but they also knew who was running around the field 
how far you end up running throughout the game if you were there for certain plays like you're talking about just a bigger field and uh, it's just fascinating the, the amount that they're tracking but I guess you get that much more data and it becomes that much harder to try to figure out what's the takeaway from it you know yep exactly so could go on that could go on that for hours but that you know that, that's <laughs> that's some of the money ball background and then there well, so now on- it makes sense why you're the money ball marketer man you basically helped invent sports databases and yeah. data mining absolutely and then my other really cool thing i did actually there's probably been a bunch but but the other one i'll mention here is was part of a, a startup uh that became the first marketing technology software within omnicom group which is big big holding company for ad agencies marketing services firms um okay. and this is going back to like 2000 2001 so, you know, advertising at that point was still very much in the, you know, Don Draper days of, you know, sure. all, all about TV, you know, internet, internet was just becoming a thing. Yeah. So we were bringing uh, marketing technology to some of the biggest brands in the world through their agencies. And it became really successful. I got really lucky because through doing that, I got to see every single marketing discipline in action from... Huh top ad agencies, um, you know, branding firms, PR firms, direct marketing firms, CRM, uh, events, um, you know, in-store, you know, right down the list. And I was part of huge global pitches. Uh, in 2006, we, we won the Bank of America account, you know, multi-billion nice. dollar account, um, traveled all over the world, um, HSBC in the UK, um, South Korea for Samsung. So part of huge global pitches. Uh, and so got to kind of grow up through, through that ad agency and marketing services world, uh, which gave me a lot of the kind of the, the viewpoint of marketers, uh, but also be part of like establishing MarTech for right. the first time. So that's also part of my background. That's cool. So it, it's neat. You had this combination of data and marketing. Yeah. And maybe sports to even get you interested in the first place. And then you're yeah. like, yeah, this is kind of cool. I could see the patterns in other, these other places and in other groups and companies, big companies too, could benefit from the same kind of approach, the same money ball approach. Yeah, man. That you were taking it to, uh, to sports, taking it into marketing, man. This is really cool. Yeah. But, but, you know, you got to do a podcast with someone to really learn about them and find out all these cool things. So, yeah, it, it all goes, it, it's all done full, full circle for sure. For sure. Um, so, you know, we were just chatting. So, family man, it's Friday. You got any plans for the weekend? Uh, well, you're a New Hampshire guy. Uh, we're heading up to the ice castles. Do you know the, Do you know about the ice castles? Yes. Yes. Anyone with a daughter or children <laughs> who have watched Frozen? Yeah. Up here in New England, we, we so, get ice castles. That's, you know, Anna and, you know, what's her face? We'll probably be at that castle too. So yeah, Lincoln, New Hampshire. We'll be in Lincoln tomorrow, uh, checking out these ice castles. Hopefully, they're not all melted since <laughs> since it was seventy three degrees a couple couple days ago. Uh, it probably wasn't up there though. It was probably still yeah, still still cool. But yeah, there's there's some good little restaurants there, a huge candy shop. So that'll be a day trip tomorrow, Casey. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think they will have the the gals too, the princesses. You know, the frozen okay. ones up there. They always do for a photo ops in case you want one, you know, take a photo with the frozen characters. I'll, 
I'll tweet it out if I do it. Yes, you should tweet it out. I will retweet you. How about I'll, that? I'll tag you if I, <laughs> if I can do that. Well, this has been awesome, man. It, you know, this has been great. And uh, where can people, you know, find out more? Obviously, we got some links, but how, how do we find you? And, uh, and also maybe some information on Bedrock, how we find them. Yeah. Do that try thing. Yeah. So, again, my blog is moneyballmarketer.com. And the Twitter handle is MoneyballMKTR. MKTR, nice. Give me a follow there. Would love to uh, connect there. And then uh, the Bedrock Data trial uh, for that Fusion product we were talking about is bedrockdata.com slash try. So give it a try there. Give it a try. That's it, man. Yeah. Well, hey, another episode in the books, but a great one. Casey, this has been fun, man. We should, uh, how about this? Uh, have me back sometime. I'll be, yeah. uh, I'll be a Let's repeat do it. guest down the road. Absolutely. What? We'll just talk about sports. Before you get too big. Oh, for sure. I, hey, I'll always have time for you, man. For sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. And everyone listening, thanks for joining us. This has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll see you next time.